pleasantly surprised. That was my overall reaction to the just-released Netflix movie, The Gray Man. Hi, this is Tom Pizzotto of Spy Movie Navigator with our no-spoiler quick-fire review of the latest Russo Brothers movie, The Gray Man. We saw this movie in the theater, and it'll start streaming on Netflix on July 22nd, 2022. In our quick-fire reviews, our goal is to let you know if the movie's worth your time and money, but we do this without any spoilers, so let's get on with this and keep it spoiler-free. This movie's based on Mark Greeney's popular 11-book series, and I couldn't wait. However, recently I've been reading a lot of chatter about how this $200 million movie was a dud. Press reviews were put on hold until preview day, and that's usually not a positive development. And it made me a little wary to go see it. And although I'll admit it was not the best spy movie ever made, I found it entertaining. Even with some obvious problems, which we'll discuss, and one of them's a big problem. So what's The Gray Man about? Well, the Netflix page on this movie puts it this way. When a shadowy CIA agent uncovers damning agency secrets, he's hunted across the globe by a sociopathic rogue operative who's put a bounty on his head. So, sounds like a pretty good topic for a spy movie. And it pretty much sums up what happens in this movie. It has a PG-13 rating here in the U.S. Now, we're going to talk about the characters. I'm going to spend more time on the characters than I normally do because I actually like the characters and I like the actors here. But one warning before we get there. If you go to see this movie in the theater, it starts without the usual 20 minutes of preview trailers. We know a lot of people show up to movies 15 minutes after the movie's posted start time to avoid this 20 minutes of advertising. Don't do that here. We went to a 7 o'clock showing on the preview night, and it started right at 7. We don't know if that's because there was a Q&A session afterwards that followed or not, but it started right away, so be there on time. Now, we said this was entertaining, so what about this movie did we like? We'll talk about what we didn't like later in this episode. Now, first, The Gray Man has a fantastic cast. The casting team did a really good job here. So let's look at the key roles and the actors who portrayed them. Ryan Gosling stars as Cortland Gentry, who's known throughout the movie as either Six or Sierra Six. He's the Gray Man in the title. We think Gosling is poised to take this role into the future for many Gray Man movies if he wants to do that, and if there are any. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. He does an excellent job portraying Sierra Six. He was believable, and he had the right air about his character. That said, this character, Sierra Six, is supposed to be underground, and I find it very easy to see another actor taking on this role if Gosling decides not to continue going forward with it. And that's not a slight on Gosling at all. We enjoyed his performance. We're just pointing out the flexibility of this role. They did that with James Bond when Sean Connery left, and the Kingsman series is supposed to evolve without Eggsy as they go forward. And they showed in the Kingsman movie that Eggsy wasn't needed for the Kingsman stuff to work. Now remember, so far there are 11 Gray Man books, so it makes sense that at some point Gosling will need to be replaced. For those of you who have listened to our podcast before, one of the things we like to do is call out where a movie is either influenced or was influenced by another movie or real-world events. We want to talk about Six's path to being a CIA agent, and we don't think this is a spoiler as it happens right at the beginning of the movie, so no plot is ruined. Sierra Six, or Cortland Gentry, was recruited into the CIA out of prison after killing someone. Now, if we remember the Harry Palmer movies, Harry was recruited into security services to avoid a jail sentence, and in the Kingsman series, Eggsy was released from police custody and recruited into the Kingsman organization. It's a take on the reluctant spy story that we often talk about, and it's worked in all three of these movie series. Take a rough-and-tumble character and make him or her a spy. They have nothing to go back to other than jail, 
So why not? Let me take on the spy role. The next character is Lloyd Hansen, who's played by Chris Evans, and he's Sierra Six's main adversary in this movie. He's a villain, but he's also funny, although we don't think the character knows how funny he is. He's got this 70s porn star mustache. He's wearing white pants. I mean, really, his whole costuming and the way Evans portrayed Lloyd, I mean, this character really worked for us. We kind of liked him, although he's one of the bad guys, and he is a very bad guy. Well, maybe we don't like him, but we like the oddities portrayed. We like the portrayal of this character. Ana de Armas seemed to almost continue her Paloma role from No Time to Die here in the role of Danny Miranda. Now, this isn't a criticism. We thought she stole No Time to Die. She was fabulous in that, and here again, she plays an agent who has to be badass at some times, and she does that very, very well. Now, another actor I want to point out is a guy who most American or British audiences won't know, and it's an Indian actor named Danush. He plays a character called Avik San, and you're going to like him in this movie. It was our first exposure to him. And in The Gray Man, his character's one bad dude. Danish plays him very well. His two action scenes alone are worth watching this movie for, I think. I mean, they're just, they're just fantastic. Billy Bob Thornton plays a guy named Fitzroy, who recruited Six from prison. He doesn't have a ton of screen time, but what he does works well, which is not surprising because, hey, it's Billy Bob Thornton. Of course it's going to be well done. Now, Fitzroy has a young niece named Claire who ends up being an important cog in this story. She's played by 13-year-old Julia Butters, and she's played very well and very believably. Now, for us, this is the third spy movie released in the last 15 months that has a young female relative, a daughter or a niece, who has an impact on the movie. No Time to Die had Matilda, Codename Banshee had Haley, and now the gray man has Claire. We're hoping this trend doesn't continue in every spy movie to come. It can work as it does here, but we're getting a little fatigued from that trope being what seems to be in every spy movie now. There are other ideas you can have for a spy movie. Now, Jessica Henwick plays Suzanne Brewer, who reports to a guy named Carmichael, who's played by Reggae Jean Paul. Now, these two characters work together at the CIA, and both are very well acted. Now, one question for you, the audience. It, this, I'm stealing this from the Q&A session that they had after the movie was over. The question is, is Suzanne a hero or a villain? After you see this movie, send me an email at info at spymovienavigator.com and let us know, do you think that Suzanne is a hero or is she a villain? Be interested in your feedback on that one. The last two actors we'd like to highlight are Alfred Woodard, who played Cahill, and Wagner Mora, who played Laszlo. Both of them were smaller parts, but well acted. Cahill brought some depth to the story, filling in some needed pieces. And you always have to like Woodard. She's fantastic. Laszlo's an interesting character. He had some comedic value, but he's also not a nice guy. So that's the major cast and the roles. And a big part of why we liked this movie was it was very well acted. So besides the cast, what else works in this movie? This movie has a lot of action scenes, and most of them are well done. There's fighting or shooting on planes, trains, trams, cars, motorcycles, not to mention the buildings and parks, and of course the explosion. And there's lots of explosions. And we particularly like these action sequences. Now, there's some CGI stuff involved in this that was terrible and really almost ruins the movie. But if you can get past that, these action sequences were really, really good. And the action sequence in Prague is one of the movie's best action scenes, and CGI notwithstanding word for us. It was actually probably the best CGI in the movie, 
but that's not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> These action scenes, the fight scenes, whatever you want to call them, were really good. We caught a few tropes that we've seen in other movies that happens here. First, in the Prague scene, what happens with Six in this scene, we believe was slightly influenced by the 2002 movie Phone Booth. We're not going to go into the details and risk a spoiler, but during this scene, if you've seen Phone Booth, see if you see what we did there. Another trope that was used a couple times but not overused was when someone would turn holding somebody else in front of them just as they're about to get hit or shot at. The, the person they are putting in front of them takes the bullet. This is a move that James Bond does often. A classic example of that is in the pre-title, The Goldfinger, when James Bond spins Bonita around after seeing a thug in her eyes, seeing the reflection off of her eyes. She ends up taking the hit. And they do this type of move a few times in The Gray Man, but not too many times that you're going like, okay, this again? Another spy thing that was in this movie is they talked about something called pocket litter. If you aren't familiar with the term, it's the stuff that people carry in their pockets that can become important in an investigation. And it was a really important part of the movie and the real-life World War II operation, Operation Mincemeat, and it becomes important here in this movie as well. Now, another thing that kind of felt familiar to us was that someone in the movie loses some fingers in a fight, and Six has a quip that kind of felt similar to the question James Bond asks Dr. No in that movie, Dr. No, when James Bond asks him if it was worth losing a hand. So Six's line, we believe, was directly influenced by this scene in Dr. No. Now, the climax between Sierra Six and Lloyd felt like it had a little bit of influence from James Bond and Safin's fight towards the end of No Time to Die although there was more action here than in the No Time to Die scene. The next thing about this movie that we liked, so we've got the cast that we liked, the action that we liked, was the humor. And there was quite a bit of it, and it wasn't always a throwaway line like James Bond does after incapacitating or killing someone. Now here, the humor was spread around amongst the cast, and especially with Lloyd, but again, we don't think Lloyd knew when he was being funny. Nevertheless, humor is a big part of this movie. And there's even a 007 joke in it. Now, there were only eight of us in the theater when I saw The Gray Man. One benefit of going to the theater is that you get to hear other audience members' reactions to the movie real time. And on multiple occasions, I heard people laughing because of the humor, which tells me this humor did work. And I asked a couple people as they were leaving their thoughts. And one woman said, personally, I don't like spy movies, but the humor helped. And I had asked her the general question, how did you like the movie? So the humor is there and it is well done. I also talked to another guy named Dan, not my partner Dan Silvestri who works on Spy Movie Navigator with me, but this Dan, he really liked Gosling as Six and he also called out Jessica Henwick and Anna Diarmas and how much he liked their roles. He said he thought this was better than John Wick and he likened it more to a Bourne movie. And then another person I talked to was a guy named Eric and he thought it was a good blend of action and comedy, which are the things that I've talked about that we think is really good. Now, one thing you might want to know about before you see this is who Sisyphus was from Greek mythology. It's something that comes up in the movie. If you don't know who it is, you might want to just look it up. Now, another thing about this movie is this was a $200 million movie. And during the question and answer session after the movie, the Russo brothers had an interesting comment about the making and planning of this action movie. They said there was an action scene that the cast had been training for for over two months. And a last-minute decision was made to kill the scene. They didn't even film it. So these actors put in all that effort for two months for something that never got filmed. And that's how you spend $200 million on a budget. Okay, 
So the cast was great. We liked the humor and the callbacks to the other movies. I said it was an entertaining movie, but not the best spy movie ever. Why are all these reviews so bad? Well, a lot of what we've seen negative about this movie was the terrible CGI. I mean, when when we say terrible, we mean like die another day bad. Up until the airplane scene here in The Gray Man, Die Another Day held the mantle in our minds as the worst CGI in a spy movie. I mean, that was just brutally bad. Well, this movie had some brutally bad CGI in it, around an airplane and around some parachuting that happens. Now, we will watch this movie when they stream it to see if a smaller screen helps. I'm curious to see if there is a difference. Remember, this is Netflix filming it. They're filming it for Netflix streaming. But especially for a movie that supposedly cost $200 million, we would not have expected CGI this bad, especially in 2022. What did they spend the money on? Oh, having actors work on stuff that they end up deciding not to film. Now, I said the parachute scene was particularly bad. For those who've seen the pre-title sequence of Moonraker, there is a fight amongst parachutists that works out much better than something similar that happens here. In Moonraker... A lot of that action was stunt work with actually parachuting stuntmen. And there was some you know, rear screen projection stuff. But here, the parachute thing seemed to be all CGI work, and it really didn't work for us. There was no realism to it. The plot isn't really the tightest either, and two things really were a little bothersome for us. We counted 11 different countries or major cities used as backdrops for this movie. And things seemed to jump between the locations, and it got a little confusing as to where they were, because it was, you know, it's a two-hour movie, and you've got at least 11 locations. Another issue we had was the use of time. The movie opens up with the recruitment of Cortland Gentry. It then jumps ahead 18 years, then back two years, and then back to the present day. Why? Okay, I can see starting with the recruitment and jumping the 18 years. But then going back and then coming forward, it got a little confusing as to what was going on there. Another thing has me worried about this movie, and this is not about the movie itself. I want this series to work, and now that Ian Productions has screwed up the James Bond series, I need to see another star spy come onto the big screen that's based on books. And this movie was supposedly based on the first book of the Mark Greeny 11 book series. And the funny thing to us that initially, when we first started hearing about this movie, all the talk was about that this movie was going to be based on the first book in the series and that they planned on being able to develop out the series. So we were hoping that this was going to be our James Bond successor. Well, in the Q&A session that Netflix held with the Russo brothers and the key cast members, we didn't hear anything about Greeny's books. I mean, as in nothing. No acknowledgement at all that this had anything to do with this book series. This might mean this ended up being a very expensive one-off. I mean, we're not sure, but the lack of acknowledgement in that Q&A session about the creator seemed very telling to us. So we're going to have to see what happens here. And part of what happens may be decided based on how viewership is on Netflix. So how do we wrap this all up? We thought Gray Man was an entertaining movie that had some pretty big flaws. And that CGI stuff was really bad. If you've already paid for Netflix, it's entertaining. Go ahead and watch it and stream it starting on the 22nd of July. Now, we wouldn't recommend spending money to see it in a theater because of the CGI issues if you already have Netflix. You're going to be able to see it for free in a few days anyways. However, if you don't have Netflix and are looking for a spy movie to go see, it's an entertaining two hours. You'll just have to deal with the fact that the CGI is so bad. This has been Tom Pizzotto from SpyMovieNavigator.com. Thank you for joining us for our no-spoiler look at the Netflix movie The Gray Man. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app and our YouTube channel. Both are called Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. 
Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tell a friend about our show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it.